Oh, the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church. Throughout the first epistle to the Corinthians, Paul has addressed numerous problems in that church body. Here in the latter part of the epistle, he wishes to address the problem, a problem within the church about the resurrection, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The problem being addressed is specifically mentioned in verse 12 of our text this morning. Now if Christ is proclaimed, if Christ is preached as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? As you can see, there were those in the Corinthian church who denied the bodily resurrection, or more significantly, they denied the bodily resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So Paul instructs them about the importance, the truth, and supernatural religious significance of the bodily resurrection, which is centralized in Jesus Christ, which in turn extends to the second coming of Christ in the bodily resurrection of us, those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, verses 35 through 57 of this chapter. But this being said... It is thought that this issue is not a dominant problem infecting a large number in the Corinthian body since Paul withheld addressing this issue until late in his epistle here in chapter 15. Perhaps this is accurate assessment of the situation whether or not, whether it is or whether it is not, since the church existed in the midst of Greek pagan religions, it is not surprising that there were those who were holding on to a Greek version that dead corpuses are dead corpuses. Hence, for such people, there is no continuation of life after death and thus there are those who were are applying this pagan type of thinking even to the proclamation of Christ's resurrection verse 12 of our text so the question that now may address us is this why does Paul begin this chapter with the specific reference to the resurrection of Christ in the first 11 verses, in which Elder Clemens has read for us. Why not start specifically by addressing the bodily resurrection itself, which he holds off to addressing in verse 35? Well... (laughs) The answer to these two questions is quite simple. There is no resurrection of the bodies of believers unless Jesus Christ has been first raised from the dead. The very foundation, 
the very assurance for the believer's bodily resurrection is the bodily resurrection of Christ. This is the religious and supernatural truth of every believer in the Corinthian church. And this is what they must believe. And this is what every member in the body of Christ must embrace even here this morning in your own heart. The body of Christ, the church can only participate in the bodily resurrection at Christ's second coming if Christ's own body, if his own body has been raised, has been raised. Now, on this resurrection Easter morning, let us focus upon exactly what Paul wants the church in Corinth to be their focus. The glorious certainty, certainty of Christ's resurrection, which is the heart of the whole Christian life and message. Place yourself, if you will, in the text and let your own hearts Let your own souls participate in the message Paul has preached to the Corinthians. Let all of us be reminded that Paul is telling these fellow believers in Christ, calling them brothers, of the good news. This is good news. The gospel which they received from Paul's own preaching. They received it on the authoritative message of Paul as the good news. Which you here in this congregation this morning have also received. In which you stand firm. In which that has been preached to you. Yes, the good news is presently completing a good work in each person who is being saved from the judgment of sin if, if, if you, all the Corinthians, as well as all of us here this morning, if all of us in our situation stick firmly to the gospel which has been preached, Verse 2, verse 2. Paul is writing to the Corinthians here as an evangelistic pastor. (laughs) The word for gospel in verse 1 and the repetitive phrase that you see there I preached in verses 1 and 2 comes from the same Greek word which means good news. Paul is obsessed with preaching the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul is obsessed about being an evangelist, an evangelist for the sole redemption of sinners through Christ's death and resurrection. Let me ask you, do you think Paul is too serious about his Christian faith? You think he's gone overboard? May all of us here this morning drink from the fountain 
of good news that the Lord placed in Paul's heart and life. After all, if Christ has not been raised from his cleansing act of dying for our sin on the cross, then the conclusion is obvious. Our faith is futile. Our hope is useless. And we are most to be pitied as a human being since we are still in our sins thinking that our sin has been eternally forgiven at the cross and an empty tomb. Verses 17 through 19 of our text. In terms of Paul's preaching, the good news to the Corinthians, he delivered to Corinth the gospel of Christ that he had also received. Let me ask you this morning a very important question. Think about this in your own mind. What is the gospel of Christ? What is the gospel of Christ? If I asked you this morning, what is the gospel? What would you say? What are you saying right now? What's your answer in your own mind as you hear the question being given unto you? Well, to all of us here this morning, from the youngest to the oldest, you have Paul's answer. You have Paul's answer through the Holy Spirit right here in front of you. It is very succinct. It is very precise. This is what you want to say in your heart, within your own family. And to anyone who asks you the question, what is the gospel? Furthermore, you can also use Paul's words in being gently, in kindness, gently aggressive to the lost. Let me tell you what the gospel is. It's, yes. Specifically, look there at verses 3 and 4. Specifically, the gospel is that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. That's the gospel. That's simple. Briefly consider three things here. Christ's own prophecy about the fulfillment of the gospel in his redeeming work for sinners has now become true. We have accented Christ's own prophecy in our Mark series again and again. The Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the Jewish Sanhedrin, be killed, and after three days rise again. Those are the actual words, prophetic words of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of these events that Christ prophesied has now occurred. Secondly, there is clear evidence 
If you want evidence, there is clear evidence that the providence of God in Christ's words has come to pass in history. Christ appeared in his resurrected body to Cephas, Peter. Then the twelve. Then to five hundred people. Then to James. Then to all the apostles and last of all, the one who was untimely born in that he persecuted the church. And hence, he is the least of all the apostles and unworthy to be called an apostle. Who is this untimely born unworthy apostle? You know. Paul's identifying himself here in the text. And thirdly, now please, congregation, do not miss this next point. After Jesus appeared to Paul and he was converted, he had to relearn. Don't miss this. He had to relearn the Old Testament scripture. His incorrect interpretation of the Old Testament had led him to persecute the church, the followers of Christ. But now he needed to understand how the Old Testament must be interpreted in light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the true promised Messiah had come in history. So what does Paul tell the Galatian church that he had to do? He had to become re-educated about what the Old Testament actually said. What did Paul do? What does he tell the Galatian church? He went into Arabia and then he returned to Damascus which was the city to where he was going when Christ appeared to him and he became born again. Yes, he spent over three years, three years in Arabia and Damascus studying the scriptures before returning to Jerusalem. Paul's serious concentration Studying the word of God in light of the bodily resurrection of Christ led him to re-examine and study correctly his previous religious stance. He now knows that the entire Old Testament teaching about the covenant of grace, the entire Old Testament teaching about the promised seed of redemption in the coming Messiah who brings reconciliation between sinful humanity and a holy God has been fulfilled in the one who called himself Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth. For Paul, Christ's post-resurrection appearance authenticates what the scripture prophesied and taught about the Messiah. 
So congregation, let me ask you once again, what is the gospel? How do you define, how do you articulate the gospel? Are you able to give a succinct answer to anyone who answers, who asks you? Can you give a succinct answer from within your own heart with the conviction of faith in Jesus Christ? Do you see the scope, the scope of Paul's answer to the Corinthian church? Let us be mindful once again as to Paul's simple and straightforward statement about what is the gospel. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised from the dead. On the third day, in accordance with the scriptures. Christ's death for our sins is not done in a historical vacuum. Not at all. Sin throughout the entire history of humanity has been a serious affront to the holiness and the righteousness of our God. All the way back to the garden. And Adam's sin all died in sin. And this is the pervasive condition within every human being. As detailed in the entire canon of the Old Testament scriptures. If you are blind. (laughs) You are blind. Let's put it this way. You are blind if you don't see this. Christ died for sinners. And their sin. In Christ the redeemed sinner. The one who repents and believes. Is saved by the sinless atoning sacrifice of Christ on the cross. As the sinless sacrifice who bears our sins. Christ is resurrected on the third day. As promised and testified throughout the entire canon of the Old Testament scriptures. Herein is the simplicity of what the gospel is. Now the question before each of us who confess Christ with our lips and believe in Christ in our hearts Can we expand upon Paul's succinct statement about the gospel to provide specific references from the scriptures about the richness, the beauty, the power of the gospel that is centered in Christ? How much do you understand yourself? Ask yourself this morning. Very important in terms of what the gospel is. Verses 3 and 4. Ask yourself. How much do you understand about the Old Testament scriptures? As the testimony of Christ. Leading up to his coming. And his 
efficient work in his death and resurrection. As one minister has said about the Apostle Paul, Paul sees Christ everywhere in the Old Testament. Let that sink in. Paul sees Christ everywhere in the Old Testament. When you read the Old Testament, is that you? Do you see Christ everywhere? Is there any doubt about the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ? If you want empirical evidence that the resurrected Christ has been seen prior to his ascension, Paul provides a strong list in our text, does he not, for the Corinthians to investigate. But please do not miss, do not miss, that Paul lists those who actually saw the resurrected Christ after Paul has already testified to the authenticity of Christ's death and resurrection in history as fulfilled from the Old Testament. Yes, Christ has died and Christ has risen according to the scriptures which God's spirit has written. The empirical evidence, meaning the face-to-face appearance of the bodily resurrected Christ to human beings blends organically to what God has done in history. No human being is without excuse to fall, prostrate and broken for their sin in repentance before the mercy and grace of God and to come to a saving knowledge and love for the crucified and risen Savior, Jesus Christ. There is one other point I want to highlight for you this resurrection Easter morning from our text. What did Paul preach to the Corinthian church? What was the good news that he proclaimed? We know the answer to that question as well in a succinct verse. That can be also understood in terms of verses 3 and 4 of our text this morning. Going back to chapter 2, verse 2. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now fast forward to our text in chapter 15, 1 and 2. Where Paul states that they are being saved by virtue of the preaching of the good news. Now look at verse 12 in chapter 15. Now if Christ is proclaimed, is proclaimed as raised from the dead, keep in mind the people living in Corinth 
did not have any personal contact with the person of Christ while he was on earth. They came to saving faith through preaching, through the preaching of the good news centered upon Christ's death and resurrection. Here's the point that I want you to see. There is no disconnect between preaching Christ's death and resurrection and Christ's actual death and resurrection. Did you hear that? By the power and application of the Holy Spirit, there is an organic connection between preaching Christ's death and resurrection and Christ's actual death and resurrection. Are you seeing how crucial this is to the Christian life? Paul cannot make it any clearer. Look at verse 14 once again. If Christ has not been raised, what does Paul then say? Then our preaching is in vain. Our preaching is our in vain. And your faith is in vain. True believers in Christ, they want, they demand a steady diet of preaching the gospel in their lives. And what is that steady diet? My inner feelings? My relevance in the world? (laughs) My amusement and entertainment? May the Lord help us. True believers seek. True believers want and embrace the preaching of Christ's death and resurrection, which alone, alone truly satisfies the soul of faith filled with the Spirit of Christ. So-called Christmas and Easter Christians need to be true believers and get to church in order to nurture saving faith through the cross and the empty tomb, which alone is the foundation and the fountain of all Christ's saving benefits for the whole person. Are you a whole person in Christ? For the whole person in Christ. May the elders in this church, may the flock in this church always guard and defend the pulpit of this church to preach the risen Christ and him crucified. 
there is no discontinuity between preaching Christ and Christ's actual saving work in history. The certainty, yes, the certainty of Christ's resurrection is as real when it is faithfully preached as when it actually occurred in history for the people of God, the people of God for you. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, how we rejoice in the resurrection of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask, O Lord, that you would dwell upon our hearts and our minds, that we would always thirst and be satisfied for what he has done for us in his death and resurrection, and that we would be a people who always walk in gratitude in terms of the righteousness and holiness of his person, for only his holiness and righteousness enabled him to be resurrected for us. Bless thy people here today. Enrich them in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Christ's name, amen.